everyone, welcome back as we are in week two of our series that we are calling Start New, in which we're starting off this year by focusing on the three key relationships that every single one of us needs to have if we're going to experience the full and abundant life that Jesus came to give us. And I want to start by just sharing something that I read several years ago. I actually was reading through Alexis de Tocqueville's Democracy in America. He had spent some time just observing American society. And after he got back to France, he just wrote about some of his observations about not only government and law, but just how we lived in our culture. And this is what he said. He said, it seemed to me as if a cloud habitually hung upon their brow. And I thought them serious and almost sad, even in their pleasures. It is strange to see with what feverish ardor the Americans pursue their own welfare and to watch the vague dread that constantly torments them lest they should not have chosen the shortest path which may lead to it. Now think about this for a second. He wrote that in 1835. And yet I feel like that could be said about our society today. I mean, think about this for a second. You go into any Barnes and Noble, what do we find? We find that the uh, self-help and inspiration sections are very, very quickly overtaking the religion and philosophy sections. We find that our malls and our highways are veritable smorgasbords of promises and exhortations, billboards and advertisements that all promise to give us these new products and experiences which which will make our lives better. And yet, even in the midst of all of these things, that cloud of dread still still seems to hang upon us as we find that experience after experience, time after time, we just come up empty. I think the reason why is because we're looking in the wrong places for the wrong things. Actually, I would argue we're looking for the wrong person. You see, one of the things that God tells us is that we were made in his image, Which means that if we are going to experience life to its fullest, it's only by getting back in touch with our creator that we're going to know what that even means, what that even looks like. That that relationship with God is one of the most foundational relationships that any single person could have. In fact, the psalmist writes in Psalm 42 the following, As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. You see, part of what we're missing as a society is we're missing a vibrant and thriving relationship with the God who made us. No wonder the rest of life doesn't satisfy. And so this weekend, I want to focus on that relationship, that up relationship that we're all called to have with the God who made us. Because it's only there that we're going to truly experience what God intended for us. Uh, It's only as we get to know him that we're going to find true satisfaction. And to help us understand just what it is God is offering, I want to look at a story from Jesus' life. It comes to us from John chapter 7. Jesus had gone up to Jerusalem at one of their festivals. And while he was there, he began to preach and to teach. He promised them that if anyone was truly thirsty, all they had to do was come to him and he would give them streams of living water. He would satisfy their thirsts and the longings of their heart. But what's interesting about this story is that not many people responded positively to that message. There are actually two groups of people who didn't respond to the message in the way that I think Jesus intended. And they didn't respond to him for two very different reasons. The first group didn't respond to him because of their over-familiarity with him. 
I want you to listen to this, that when Jesus is preaching and teaching, it says that some of the people of Jerusalem began to ask, isn't this the man that they're trying to kill? Uh, Here he is speaking publicly and they're not saying a word to him. Have the authorities really concluded that he's the Messiah? But we know where this man is from. When the Messiah comes, no one will know where he is from. They later on go on to say, how can the Messiah come from Galilee? Does not scripture say that he will come from David's descendants from Bethlehem, the town where David lived? And thus the people were divided because of Jesus. You see, the first group of people who didn't respond positively to Jesus' message didn't respond because they were over familiar with him. They knew too much about him. So much about him that they kind of lost just how unique and powerful he was, just how amazing and wonderful uh, he was. They, they, They missed out on the love and the grace and the mercy and the compassion that he came to bring. Why? Because they thought they'd heard it all before. Because they thought they knew who he was. And that, as a result, they could just write him off. And this is important for us because I think part of the reason many people don't experience a vibrant relationship with Jesus is because... They've gotten a little too familiar with him. I think that we see this a lot in the church where people who've been going to church for years and years and years have just gotten so used to the Bible's stories, so used to the various passages about Jesus that they just stop really reflecting on the power and the beauty of what it means to walk with him to experience daily fellowship with him, to join him in the work that he's doing. I think that this is the reason there are so many people who call themselves Christians and yet don't look, live, and love more like Jesus. See, one of the greatest barriers that can exist between us and our relationship with God is thinking that we have God all figured out. Thinking that we've been there, done that, that we've heard about Jesus, that we know what he would desire for us and for our lives. And so we just kind of Go about our daily journey without giving him a second thought. There's a second group of people, though, who are uh, having a problem with Jesus and who don't respond to his message positively. And that is uh, some of the religious leaders, that they actually listen to Jesus' message and it offends them. They get angry. They they hear him uh, saying things about himself and his identity and why he came. And they actually send guards to arrest him. And what we see in that reaction is that they actually have open hostility to Jesus. They find his message so offensive, so hard to stomach that they don't really want to have anything to do with him. In fact, they're trying to just shut him down entirely. And again, I think that this is one of the things that often gets in our relationship with God is that when it comes to matters of religion or faith or Christianity or Jesus, there are some of us who just shut it down entirely. We don't want to hear about it. Now, there may be a lot of reasons why we have that posture. Maybe we had a bad experience with organized religion or we knew somebody who kept trying to shove faith down our throats. And so there's kind of this visceral reaction to it. But is that reason enough to discount the invitation of looking at God for yourself, of really exploring what he has to offer us? I think that that's important because uh, when we just offhandedly dismiss any conversations about religion, what I think we need to realize is that we're actually dismissing something that 97% of the people in the world say is important, is actually vital, and that's faith. 97% of the people in our world follow some kind of religious tradition, believe that there is a divine reality, believe that that is actually necessary 
in order to live life well. And when we simply dismiss any conversation of religion out of hand, we're dismissing something that the vast majority of the human race would say is essential. And so the question is, are we willing to pause long enough to actually look at the evidence for ourselves? And yes, I'm saying evidence, because there is evidence, especially when you look at the life of Jesus. There's overwhelming evidence that points to not only the fact that he came, lived, died, and yes, rose again, but his claims about God are true. I want to give you just a couple of examples. Uh, First comes from William Lane Craig, a noted philosopher and historian, and this is what he writes He says, any responsible historian then who seeks to give an account of the matter of Christianity must deal with these four independently established facts, the honorable burial of Jesus, the discovery of his empty tomb, his post-mortem appearances, and the very origin of the disciples' belief in his resurrection and hence of Christianity itself. I want to emphasize that these four facts represent not the conclusion of conservative scholars, but rather the majority view of New Testament scholarship today. They say that again. They represent the majority view of New Testament scholarship today, that when people really look at the New Testament and they ask themselves, are there historical reasons for believing that what we find in the Bible is true? They walk away after looking at all the evidence, concluding, yes, there are very good reasons. There's overwhelming evidence. And if this is true, then it points to the single most important fact in human history, that God actually came, became a human being, lived with us, taught us, healed us, walked with us, wept with us, died for us, and rose again. And again, even non-Christians have had to wrestle with that fact. I I love this quote from H.G. Wells. Here's what he says. He says, I am a historian, not a believer, but I must confess as a historian that this penniless preacher from Nazareth is irrevocably the very center of history. Jesus Christ is easily the most dominant figure in all of history. And listen to what Wells then went on to say. He said, all four gospels agree in giving us a picture of a very definite personality. One is obliged to say, here was a man. This could not have been invented. Is it any wonder that to this day, this Galilean is too much for our small hearts. See, what I love about what Wells is saying is is somebody who would say, I'm not a Christian, can't ignore the evidence when he looks at the life of Jesus. His problem wasn't really with God. It was honestly with the church, with the over-familiar, with the people who weren't walking the ways that they said that that their Savior walked. And again, if we are to take seriously the claims of the New Testament, it means that it truly does change absolutely everything. And to simply dismiss all discussion about religion and faith, Jesus and Christianity, to have this bias against faith is not only irrational, but irresponsible. There's this incredible invitation to get beyond our over-familiarity and beyond our hostility and once more behold just how amazing it is that the God who fashioned the entire universe was willing to come down here and live in our midst. And if that's true, that makes all the difference in the world because it means that we can have a relationship with him. We can know who he is, why he made us, and why we're here. It's a relationship that we ignore to our own detriment. And the reason why is because of what he came to give us.
right at the very heart of John chapter 7, Jesus actually tells those overly familiar and overly hostile crowds the following. I want you to listen to what he has to say. He says, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. John goes on to say the following, by this he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. What Jesus is saying is he's saying, if you want to have a relationship with the God who made you, if you want to know what this life is all about and truly find satisfaction, then come to me. Because what he then gives us is a relationship with God that is truly from everlasting to everlasting. He comes to give us his spirit, God dwelling within us so that wherever we go, we are never far from his presence, never far from his love, never far from his guidance and his purposes for our lives. It's an incredible invitation. And again, like I said, it's one that we ignore to our own peril, to our own detriment, because this is what God wants us to have. This is what he wants us to experience is life with him, full life, not continuing to live under this cloud of unsatisfied desires and longings which nothing else in this world can possibly address or satisfy. He wants us to know who he is, why he made us, why we're here. That's why this up relationship is so important because it's in this relationship that we find what we've always been looking for. The question that I, we have to ask ourselves is, are we going to take the invitation? Because this is why Jesus came, to give us life and to give it abundantly. But it starts with knowing him, knowing the author of life. And so our invitation to you is to join us as we grow in that up relationship. Now, you may be asking the question, well, how? How do I grow in that kind of a relationship with God? Well, again, Jesus actually gave us the answer in John chapter 7. And he says, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of water will flow from within. And Jesus says, well, first it comes by trusting me. And the way you can trust in me is by reading my word. Going back to the scriptures because they give us an account of who Jesus is and what it means to follow him. In fact, that's the beauty of the Bible is that it, although it's 66 books written over centuries, it really tells one unified story. One story that points us to Jesus. And so the invitation is to pick up the Bible and read. There are a lot of great tools out there to help you get into Scripture for the very first time. You can download the Bible app on your phone. There's lots of different reading guides that you could, you could dive into. Or you could download the Read Scripture app, which actually would help you in a single year to read through the entire Bible. And along the way, it provides videos to, to help orient you to what you're reading and its context and some of the themes. Because, yeah, sometimes just picking up the Bible can be challenging. And so it's helpful to have those kinds of tools so that we can really read that story well and, and understand it. You can check out the Bible Project and their videos on how to read scripture and learn how to dive into this story and see how it really all points to Jesus. But one of the best ways to really grow in your up relationship with God is actually by joining a group of people who are also committed to growing in that same relationship. People who are regularly gathering around the scriptures and, and learning who God is and what it means to follow him. That's why we have things like small groups and weekend worship. 
Because it's here in these messages that we're going to unpack what God's word is. And then during the week, we're going to meet with with other people who are opening the Bible and asking questions and learning side by side. And that's our invitation to you is to join us as we go deeper. In fact, that's one of the reasons I'm so excited about 2022, because starting in February, we're going to start at the very beginning of the Bible. We're going to be looking at the book of Genesis and encountering the God who made us in his image and his plan for restoring our broken world back to what he always intended it to be. And by the time we get to the end of this year, we're going to be in the Gospel of John, looking at the life of Jesus and what it means to know him and to walk with him. And so we want to invite you to join us in this journey that we're going to be on. But it all starts by picking it up, by joining us as we study it together, because it's there, as Jesus says, we're going to receive streams, rivers of living water flowing from within us as we learn to trust in him, as he gives us his spirit to guide us, as he nurtures that relationship, which ultimately satisfies the deepest longings of our heart. I don't know what your relationship with God has been like previous to this year, but right here, the very beginning of 2022, you have an opportunity to start new, to start fresh, to get off on the right foot with the God who made you. And it all starts by simply joining us as we study his word together. And so it's to that end that I wanted to pray for you and for us that we would once more get beyond our over-familiarity and our hostility and see God for who he is as we start this new year. Would you pray with me? Lord God, we give you so much thanks that we can actually know you that knowing you isn't a mystery, but rather you entered into our world to make yourself known to us through Jesus. And Lord, I pray that we would get over our over-familiarity or our hostility and, and look at you for ourselves, that you would give us fresh eyes to see you as you are, that we would behold your beauty and your glory and hear once more the invitation to come and walk with you. And then as we do so, Lord, we would come to see the truth of what you promised, that you do satisfy the deepest longings of our heart as we not only learn who you are, but who you've made us to be and what your calling for our life is. And so, Lord, as we start this new year together, help us to be a church that is daily learning to look, live, and love more like you. It's in your name, Jesus, that we say, amen.